Jesus is enough. And here's how you say it in Finnish. Jesus riittää. Okay. Let me, Jesus riittää. Let me try. Let's listen again. Hang on. Jesus riittää. Jesus riittää. That's... <laughs> that's Jesus is enough in Finnish. So, you know, shout out to all our Finnish listeners. But welcome to Grace Walk Radio, where we like to say Jesus is enough in many different languages to remind you that this will all culminate with the worship of God from every tribe and tongue and nation. So welcome, and welcome to my co-host, Caleb Berg. Howdy. I, I just think it's so cool that we paid that person to come in from Finland and just say that in Finnish. You know, we, the massive budget that we have for Grace Walk Radio, we flew somebody in from Finland just to... Jesus Thank you, Finnish person. <laughs> We're getting uh, her money's worth. She doesn't have a name. Uh, <laughs> but she, she flew in all the way from Finland just yes. to say that three times. Guests on our show. Yeah. So thank you, Finnish sister in Christ. Jesus is enough. <laughs> and uh, thank you for joining us on uh, Grace Walk Radio, Finnish sister, and all those who are listening today. Uh, our mission is to uh, talk about the gospel and belief and practice and how to, how to live out and live under grace in a modern world. And so we welcome you uh, today. And um, I, I, I got to say, I, I, uh, I, I've got a little beef with you, Caleb. Oh, no. What did I do this yeah, time? Yeah, you know, we've been given our fantasy football updates. My beef is I, I needed to pick up a wide receiver. Oh, okay. did I get the guy you wanted? Uh, and I picked up, uh, you know, off waivers, uh, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver. Oh, and I beat you too. Of the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> but because you're lower than me in the league, you get waiver priority. You, you get waiver priority. Wow. And the next day, when he would have been in my roster, I not only found him in your roster, I found him in the starting lineup of your roster, and yeah. I'm playing you this week. Yeah. So yeah. it, I mean this this if, thing went south really fast. If you want, I just cut somebody from the Dolphins. If <laughs> if you want, well, I mean I, I'm not like you, Caleb. Oh. I don't pick with my heart. I pick with my head. That's why I'm four and zero, dominating the league, and you so, are not. So was this guy a heart pick or a head pick? Uh, he was. This guy actually was a head pick. Uh, yeah. So the tough part for me is I'm starting two Minnesota Vikings receivers, although that might change because Adam Thielen is questionable. Uh, as we talked about last week, I struggle with this because my heart is drawn towards Vikings players, even though they're terrible. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do here. Yeah, I'll tell you what you should do. Just <laughs> just trade, trade everybody away, scrap your entire team except for Vikings players. Just get all Vikings players and... See how you do. That's probably not going to happen. I'll just pick everybody who's injured right now. Let's go tr- sign them all. Yeah, good, good plan. It's a good, good plan. plan. Um, we play by faith, not by sight. Well, Reese, um, you know my my son, who's uh, you know started. Uh, well, he's got his own league, and of course, you're in my league, and he's in both. But um, he uh, already has his eye on week ten, where he says he's going to play Icebergs of Wrath again. Oh, and. Um, He's, I tell you, he's obsessed with with this, and and uh, he, he he's he's really. I think he's got several season goals. You know, one is to make the playoffs and you know win the the league, and the other is to to beat you in week ten. Week ten is going to be interesting for me because I got a lot of players on by. So I'm sorry, Reese. It's just going to be like you picking on the kid with one leg. 
I oh, mean, so, so you you concede the loss? I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and concede it right now, just so that he doesn't get too high on himself here. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the sneaky part. I'm gonna tell you this. He he won't be able to hear this part. I'm gonna beat him. <laughs> Footnote: I'm gonna beat him anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see. We're having a lot of fun with that. Um, all good gifts come from God, even even fantasy football and friendly. Fantasy football rivalries like between Red Zone Reese and Icebergs of Wrath. We play each other this week, and right now the projection is that I'll beat you by four points. Well, No, 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 not four points. Point zero four points. (laughs) Well, I I hate to disappoint you, but I actually haven't set my roster for this week yet. And when I do, uh, not only will I beat you in projections, I will actually beat you this weekend. So have a kicker. Apologies ahead of time. Uh, I promise not to gloat uh, too severely. You need to sign a kicker. But but just keep your keep your cell phone near you because I'm going to be sending a lot of texts, <laughs> and I will sign a kicker. Okay. By the way, I lost this past week. Yeah, it didn't go very well. For Nick you. Chubb got injured in the first quarter. Yeah, he did. He did. That was. Uh, That's the only reason I lost. All right. Is there, do we have a segue like a? a dun, 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 dun. <laughs> do we have some lame segue well, into our topic? Yeah, I mean the reality is though, you know all these football players. Um, while they, they're very gifted and talented, um, they need to learn that they're not God. Yes, they do, which is something we need to teach our children. Okay, so we're, we're, in, uh, we're in week two of, um, or part two, I should say, of gospel-centered parenting. Uh, and and this, uh, this title, gospel-centered parenting, this topic is going to be one of several topics in this series on parenting. Um, but we just want to talk about, you know, how do you, um, how do you make the gospel the center of your parenting and discipleship of your children, the center of your home, in a way that builds them up in the faith, and um, you know, really welcomes the life of the Spirit into your home and the transforming power of the Spirit into the hearts of your children. So last week, just to quickly summarize, we kind of set Romans six fourteen as our theme verse for um, this this uh, topic and really this, this, this podcast series, which says sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And so we, we set that before us as parents, as the goal. Yeah. That is the goal of Christian parenting is to teach your kids how to live under grace because we all want what this verse is promising that right. sin wouldn't have dominion over our children, right? That That's what we want more than anything. We want them to be saved. We want them to, to have victory over uh, sin and, and the, the, the destructive forces of sin in their lives. Um, and so we have to teach them to live under grace. You know, our kids are they're born sinners. They're addicted to self-salvation, self-sufficiency, and self-lordship. And so we want to talk about how to, um, how to bring the gospel to bear on your children's hearts. And again, okay, disclaimer, God saves your children. Yeah. Salvation is a supernatural experience. We are not here to say, if you do A and B, then you're going to get C. Um, in the best homes, the best yeah. Christian homes I, you know, I've seen and you've seen kids go astray. And so we have to remember, and I say that not to discourage you, but to remind you that the great hope of our home is the grace of God that we're teaching yeah. them. It's, it's the grace of God itself that we're depending on to convert their hearts and to bring them into this relationship with God where they are living under grace and walking in the life of the Spirit. 
Yeah, I would just encourage parents like to take some of the fear off of it because um, it's daunting, right? I mean, I've got a six-year-old, and I'm constantly thinking about her uh, eternal salvation, you know, her where she's going to end up, you know, like that's in, that's in my mind, like a lot, but, um, to take some of the edge off of that, to take some of the fear off of that, like it's God who saves, as you just said. And though the upbringing absolutely matters, um, you can't force a child's heart to believe the gospel. Um, and, and you're, creating rules and you're creating boundaries um, won't determine their eternal home as the only principle that mattered. You know, I mean, I I guess I'll say it this way. I've seen kids who've grown up in homes where there was so many rules and regulations who turned out fine and I've seen them turn out bad. I've Mm -hmm. seen kids grow up in good gospel-centered homes that have strayed. I've seen kids who grew up in good gospel homes who love the Lord and uh, believe the gospel. You know, I've seen people who have made tremendous impact in the world for Christ who grew up without a father, who grew up in a home that was with drug-addicted parents. So it matters, but it's not the only thing that matters. And so don't feel the weight of this guilt and fear that if I'm if I don't do this 100% perfect, I'm going to send my kid to an eternal hell. And there's preaching like that. There, yeah, There's sure. preaching out there that will make you feel so condemned for how you have failed as a parent. And I just want to remind our listeners and myself that Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So believe the gospel for yourself and teach the gospel to your kids, but believe that God is sovereign. Amen. And remember, and this is going to sound like a a weird thing to say, remember the doctrine of sin. And what I mean is, what is the spiritual condition of your children when, you know, what nature is in them when they are born? They're born in a world of sin and they're born with a nature of sin. Your children are spiritually dead. And what does that mean? Without intervening grace, without God's uh, electing love, being set on them, and without that regeneration of the Holy Spirit, and without that irresistible grace, your kids can't want God. Your kids are spiritually dead. They have no spiritual pulse. They have no spiritual senses. They are lost um, and, and need grace. So, again, that should encourage you that ultimately we do what we can to give them the gospel because Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, right? So it has, it's actually hearing the gospel. That's the means of grace that God actually uses to bring resurrection life into our children, right? But it is the power of God and the power of God alone that resurrects our children from the dead in Christ and brings them unto uh, a knowledge of the salvation that we have in the cross. So let, let, keep all these things in mind. So um, uh, three thoughts today on just... Uh, how to teach our children to live under grace, and uh, I think we're gonna—I'm gonna mention all three today. If we don't get to all three through all three, uh, so be it. But I'd like to try um, three ideas. Number one, we need to teach them they're not God, and I want to talk about kind of what that looks like, especially the use of law and rules. Number two, teach them the gospel, uh, and you, I'm talking like repeated conversations. 
repeated references to the gospel, uh, the forgiveness of sins we have in Jesus Christ, and uh, looking outside of ourselves uh, for salvation. And then number three, uh, really an instruction for the parent, shepherd the heart, not the external Shepherd the heart, not the external. So let's talk about that first one. Teach them they're, they're not, they are not God. I think it's almost humorous. You know, I, I think one of the great goals of parenting is to constantly teach your kid you are not God and you cannot save yourself and you are not the center of the universe. Um, and and to, to teach them that so that they come to a place of humility in relationship to God. Uh, we live in a self-esteem generation, right, that has been raised on the doctrine of self-esteem, the doctrines of secular relativism and, and, and humanism and the sovereignty of self. And so we have kids growing up today that ultimately do think they're the center of the universe. They think that they're the, they're the, the main movie star in, in the movie. Um, and we need to teach the, the, our kids, you're just supporting cast. Jesus is the star of the movie. You're not the center of the universe. Um, we're part of the family of God, the church. We, we find our place in community, not in individualism. And um, th- I mean, all these ideas, they, they, they just run right against the cultural sway of the sovereignty of self. But we need to teach our kids that and teach them from a young age. And if you don't, um, it's, it's actually terrifying, Caleb. Uh, when, yeah. when, you, you know, when you see kids who have been raised on that stuff, there is such a deception, such a spell that is over them and the gospel becomes so offensive to them uh, because they have no box for it. Uh, wh- who are you to tell me what to believe? You're judging me, all that stuff. That all comes from this idea of the sovereignty of self, that truth is what I make it. I have my truth. You have your truth. I need to find myself. Don't suppress my personality. Um, you know, Don't force your beliefs on me. All that, that stuff all comes from, I think, this idea of uh, not teaching uh, young children that they're God and not disciplining them and, and not seeking to conform them to a standard. Um, so, I don't know, I, I, I want to say something about that idea of conforming them to a standard or the use of law. Before I do, is there anything that you wanted to add? No. Um, sounds like where you're going, <coughs> I'll probably have something to add to that, so why don't you just tackle that? Okay, I, I guess I've seen some parents who love the gospel and love the message of grace, take that in, in practice in a place that I think is dangerous in their home where they, they actually don't have rules or discipline. Big mistake, okay? Remember what Paul said about the law in Galatians 3. So the law was our tutor until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. So the law was actually useful in instructing um, anyone, instructing people to see certain things that are important to see if we're going to believe the gospel. Um, and so the youth, use of the law is to expose our yeah. sin, right? It's, to, it's a, to show us our, our sin. And number two, to point to Christ as our salvation. If you take law and rules and discipline out of your home, um, then I think you you do limit the backdrop on which the light of the gospel can shine. And not only that, you're actually creating a situation where your kids will hurt themselves and harm themselves. 
Um, Tim Keller, um, you were over at our house for dinner last week, and we read that devotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Keller was has a devotional on the Proverbs, and one, one of them, he's talking about how uh, you know the, the scriptures teach to discipline your your children, and and how that's loving because when you don't have rules and order and, and discipline, uh, you're not teaching your children to avoid violating the natural order of the universe, right? Yeah. The laws of sowing and reaping, um, the way the universe is designed, that if you give yourself over to sin, um, it will destroy you. And so it's loving to provide that structure and to provide rules and discipline for that reason as well, to, to, to teach your kids to avoid the very thing that will harm them, even though their, their sin nature wants to move toward it. Now, they will find, like you and I have found, that we are incapable of keeping God's law in a way that our consciences feel pure and right before God and His holy standard. And so the law, in the midst of seeking to obey it, also shows us our need of Christ by exposing our sin. Yeah. So essentially, that's the first use of the law. So um, we're back in Reformed theology, now part 11. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'm joking. So in Reformed theology, there's this talk of the three uses of the law. And to be honest with you, this is something that I'm still growing in my knowledge. So um, just some of the study that I've done on it, uh, what you were talking about is the first use of the law. It's to show us our sin, to expose our sin, and to point us to the Savior. So by having the standard of God's holiness and God's law, we're able to show um, ourselves, firstly, and and even for our children here in, in the context of this conversation, that we have to look outside of ourselves for salvation because we fail to live up to the demands of God's law. We we fall short, and, and what is exposed in that is our sin. And so the law points us to Christ. It It should... Ultimately, the law should come crushing down on us, and the only thing left for us is to throw ourselves at the grace of God, to throw ourselves at Christ. And so that's one of the areas, like, to use the law in the home, that I want to establish that with my daughter. Um, I want her to see that um, it's impossible for her to be righteous on her own. Um, But we do need rules and, and, and things like that in the home as well, because it can show these things to our children. Uh, which maybe more broadly comes under the second use of the law, which is um, to restrain our corruption. Yeah. The second use is to restrain our corruption. So um, the way that that looks um, is that God in his word has told us what's good and what's bad. And it's good for us to do what's good, and it will be bad for us to do what is evil. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just logic right there. Um, As we assess that, um, it will be good to do good and bad to do bad. Um, so there's a, there's an established restraint there that comes, um, by keeping God's law, um, all the while recognize that we can't, recognizing that we can't perfectly keep God's law. So we teach these things to our kids so that they are crushed by the weight of the law and are pointed to Christ, Mm -hmm. Christ ultimately, that, that they throw themselves at the grace of God. Um, you know, and I'm, I, I have to admit, you know, I'm, I'm the guy in this conversation that's pretty young at this. You know, I, I've got a six-year-old. And so I'm listening uh, to this as well for, for the wisdom that you've picked up, Derek, and, and others. I, I've read a good bit of gospel parenting books and, and things like that. Um, 
it it's pretty organic in my home if i'm being completely honest at this point like there's some things that we did in the first couple of years you know first year you don't really have to worry too much you're not you're not really dealing with the uh, too rebellious of a sinner although it's there um you know they can't talk thank god um they they can't really walk yet you know so you're you're not dealing too harshly yet with things but as time goes on you begin to see that sin nature in in your child mm-hmm. um so you know i i've 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 adjusted my parenting in some ways um and it's always a learning experience we're implementing things all the time that i'm i'm hoping are more helpful for my daughter as as we begin to show her the gospel and teach her the gospel um but yeah it, it's it's a challenge so i i can empathize with anyone listening to this who's going what do i do yeah <laughs> yeah and you know the scriptures have a lot to say about discipline and the goal of this uh, program is not to discuss uh, disciplinary methods. Mm-hmm. I think there's conscience issues surrounding that, uh, even though I do think the Scripture is clear about the use of the rod. And so let me just say something about that. Um, I think the the point of it is the discipline has to hurt, <laughs> right? So, and that, that can come in various forms, right? I mean, as kids get older, um, you know, maybe... Uh, a pat on the behind doesn't affect them as much as taking privileges away yeah. uh, or taking, you know, uh, the cell phone away. Um, so um, I, I don't want to get into all that right now. Uh, I suppose we could at a later time um, talk about how we, you know, the disciplinary methods we have. Uh, but I, I guess just as a, as a big, uh, a big overarching point, which is what we're talking about right now, just to teach our children they're not God and, and to use the law in a, in a proper way. Um, and be careful in that. Be very careful in that. Not to suggest that the law is a way for your children to fix themselves. Yeah. Right. So I think there's two wrong responses to God's law. We've talked about this um, in other podcasts in regard to understanding grace. But the two wrong uses of God's law are, number one, we run from it. You know, we reject it. We, we say, I, I, I can never keep it. So we, re, uh, we rebel against it or discard it as evil or wicked in some way or just repulsed by it and run from it and rebel against God. But the other way that people misuse God's law is to see it as a way to fix themselves. So here's the prescription. If you just obey this, mm. then you'll be a healthy uh, person. And some of the most unhealthy people in the world are the greatest law keepers, because perfectionism and self-righteousness and Pharisaism also are deadly sins. So be very careful not to, through your use of the law, uh, unwittingly uh, suggest to your children that the the law is a way for your kids to fix themselves uh, any more than you should believe that. And if you do believe that, or, you know, maybe not openly, but maybe as we're talking, you're going, gosh, that is kind of how I practice it and seen it. Flee to Christ. Abandon any hope of your own righteousness. Flee to the cross. Remember grace. Remember Christ uh, in that. So uh, that, that's the first thing. Uh, teach them they're not God. Number two, teach them the gospel. Um, and like I said, this is a repeated conversation, and there's practical parts of this, right? Uh, we have family meetings. We take our kids to church. Our kids are involved in youth group. Uh, I've had dad class before when our kids were homeschooled, where we have theological training. We take our kids through books around the family table. We listen to teachings and podcasts together. I mean, you name it. Like, 
We listen to the Chronicles of Narnia book and discuss that. (laughs) We discuss things going on in society and politics, and everything goes back to the gospel. And so we we teach our kids the gospel conversationally. We teach them the gospel systematically. We we evaluate movies and music with a gospel lens, always talking about the gospel. So it really would be difficult for me to say, do this. This is a big overarching thing that sort of, I I like the illustration you used, uh, I don't remember who you were citing, but when talking about Reformed theology and how it becomes like the sugar cube in the tea. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was John Newton. Yeah, it, it sweetens everything. Like, you, if you take a sugar cube and put it in the tea and stir it up, you can no longer separate the sugar from cube the sugar. from yeah. the tea. In the same way, you should approach life and parenting like that, where you don't separate, you can't separate the gospel and say, well, now we're discussing the gospel. Uh, no, everything really is the gospel, and every the gospel permeates everything and all your conversations in a way that that repeated conversation old, over time, I can tell you, bears tremendous fruit in children as the Holy Spirit yeah. works through that, and God gives grace in that. So uh, I would say uh, t- two things uh, in, in sort of application of that. Number one, uh, point to Christ as their salvation— in their conflicts and temptations. And number two, make sure you're living the gospel yourself, including being very um, raw and uh, absent of defensiveness in your own repentance. If you wrong your kids, you apologize to your kids. You repent and you be clear about what you're repenting for. Daddy lost his temper. Daddy was unloving to you. Uh, Daddy was a bad example of what it means to be a leader in my home. Daddy spoke harshly to your mother, and I did not respect and honor her, and I did it in front of you. I let you down. That is a bad example. I mean, that practice is so important and, and really creates such a beautiful environment for your children to see the gospel lived out in you. And it also sends a message to them, my daddy's safe. Like, if if my daddy makes a mistake, yeah, he's going to make mistakes, but he's also going to repent. And and if you're a parent who doesn't repent and is too prideful to repent to your children and everything is about their wrongs and their sins and, and you never own it yourself, man, that, that you're, you're actually uh, preaching the opposite of the gospel because yeah. you're saying it needs to affect you but not me. So true. And, you know, I think it's – I don't know. There's an element of that that is just like the removal of our memories of when we were kids. You know, how many times as kids do we think back upon – you know, our parents and and go, my parents did this really well and my parents did this really poorly. Um, and mom, if you're listening, I'm not talking about you. Um, like we, we, we look at those things and we go, I'm going to be different. I, I'm going to I'm going to be quick to apologize. And then we're not, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> like I, I've, I've talked to people and this this was not the experience that I had in my home. But I've talked to people who have have told me, like, you know, their their father never apologized when he was in the wrong and mm. they've carried that over though dis- despite the fact that they would say i'm not going to be like that mm. but they've carried it over they do yeah. the same thing so i i think it is important for us to as parents repent when we sin and and fail and um you know when we lose our temper to to apologize for that because that's not that's not behavior that is going to win the heart of your children. Mm. Um, it's it's actually going to frustrate them. Um, you know, and uh, it's also something I 
don't live perfectly. Um, but, you know, I, I want to have these open conversations with my daughter about the gospel and how it impacts me. I, I find that super helpful, like when we're able to engage in a conversation um, around the dinner table or whatever time. Uh, for me, Olive it seems to open up the most when we're driving somewhere. Like we'll be in the car and she'll just kind of open up and pour out her heart. And I really enjoy those conversations. But um, like in those moments, I, I, I have to just embrace what's happening there. Like I see already like this, this ability for her to have conversations surrounding the gospel. And I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love those moments, but it's got to be in our comings and goings. And as Deuteronomy six talks about, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's at the table, at our rising, mm-hmm. at our going That's to bed, right. like surround life with conversation about the gospel. And that's why I love what we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago with the a principle of redeem, reject, um, and receive, like, you know, use every moment for gospel conversation. Like, if you see something in a movie you don't like, don't just shut it off and slam the, the remote on the table and be like, this is why we don't watch movies. Right. No, use it as an opportunity to gospel, um, you know, teach the gospel to your children. Like, even if it's an embarrassing moment right. where something slipped through your filter yep. and it never should have. So, yeah, like let's say you're watching a movie that you thought was good and you didn't do your diligence to due diligence to check it out and all of a sudden um I don't know, there's there's something just terrible. Mm-hmm. Use that embarrassing moment to proclaim the gospel. Yeah, I mean, it's happened even like <clears throat> sexual yeah, sexual content and you know, I'll say first of all, uh I'm sorry <laughs> that yeah. I was careless and uh did not research this enough to keep this guest out of my home. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, secondly, let's redeem this. Sex is not dirty. Yeah. Right? What you're seeing here is is actually created by God and beautiful in the context of marriage. Matter of fact, read Song of Songs. It's in the Bible. The Bible's rated R. So I don't want you to think like, uh, this is like taboo, dirty. We can't even talk about this. And um, let, let's put it in the right context and remember that there is a beautiful version of this. Unfortunately, what we just saw, it was not treated in a sacred way. So, you know, you're, you're right, Caleb. You're able to redeem those things. So uh, let me move on. Um, under teaching the gospel, uh, I mentioned pointing to Christ as their salvation in their conflicts and temptations. Um, often, 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 Caleb, I'll be with my, my kid, and I'll, their sin will be obvious, right? We'll get them through conversation to a point where they'll see it clearly. And I... Um, you know, one of my sons was uh, kind of being mean to his sister and bullying her a little bit, and and he and, and he had multiple repeat offenses in that. And I remember one particular conversation where I said, well, "Do you want to be a mean big brother?" And he said he realized that he was in sin, and, and you could see the contrition. He, I mean, there was tears in his eyes. No, no, I don't. And I said, "Then why? Why are, is this the third day in a row that we're dealing with the same problem?" Why are we here again? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, uh, so you don't want to be a mean big brother, and yet you keep sinning over and over again in the same area. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, What's, what do we do? And he goes, I just need to try harder. I just need to, I need to do better at this. And like gospel rage rose up in me because I saw Adam. I saw the mm. old nature. That, I mean, that, that's, that's worldliness that thinks that way, right? 
that I can win the day, right? And, and I saw that confession come out of him, and I said, no, no, son, that is not the gospel. You do not look within yourself yeah. to fix a problem that you've already proven that you're a slave to. You are a slave to sin, and that's what I want you to see right now. Why have you done it three days in a row? Because you're a slave, and you can't not do it. And you're never going to be any different, ever, because that's your nature, unless someone changes you. So let me ask you again, what is the answer? And he said, Jesus. I said, yeah, let's look away from you and away from your efforts and your... The only effort I want you to make is to admit, have the courage to admit that you cannot do it and your effort will never save you. That, put your effort that direction and turn to Christ and put your faith in him and ask him to help you. Yeah. Ask him to deliver you from this sin. That conversation is so beautiful and it's happened so, happened so often, over time, they begin to pastor their own siblings in that way. And they begin to remind me of those things. And so um, those gospel conversations, I think, are important. And they often happen in those moments of crisis. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, I could go on, you know, uh, someone is, one of our children is, has been bullied, cyberbullied. You know, how do we deal with that? Gospel. God is sovereign. This doesn't define you. Your identity is not in their opinions. Your identity is in Christ. And if you're making an idol out of their opinions, then let's repent and turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me not to be so enslaved by what other people think about me. And just to see the freedom coming to your children from the gospel, it's so awesome and so beautiful. It makes all of it worth it. And so teaching the gospel really does happen not just like with systematic theological classes, but it happens through conversations where it permeates uh, your conversations and through you, God directs them to Christ and the cross as their hope of salvation and spiritual power source. It's interesting. There's a line here <clears throat> that to me is being drawn in my mind of like, so in the family, so in the church. So like discipleship is really a community-based thing. Um, while it's important to have you know influential people in your life, you, maybe you spend time with weekly who can maybe disciple you through some things like discipleship is all of your Christian life and it is done in the context of community. So the ordinary means of grace are influential in discipleship. Um, I think the same thing applies to the family. How is discipleship done within the context of the family? Well, there's your answer within the context of the family. Mm -hmm. So whether it's moments of discipline with your children where um, they're interacting with friends or, or or another family member that they have conflict with and you're resolving that by pointing them to Christ or it's, you know, dealing with um, something that has affected them and they're struggling. They're struggling with identity. They're struggling with all those things like you just mentioned um, in the situation with cyberbullying. Um, it, it's, it's, it's within the community of the nuclear family. Hmm. You know, there's, there's a community with, within. So like there's the community that you have with your church family, and then there's the community that you have within your biological family. Um, discipleship is happening in both contexts mm. for the believers. So um, I, I, I just see kind of a unique, unique parallel there. Like, it wouldn't be any different. Why would we make? Why would we think it would be different? Mm. Like, if if it's healthy for the believer to be in community, it's also helpful for families uh, to disciple one another. Mm-hmm. So, parents, you're not just raising a child. Um, if your child is a believer, you're discipling a younger believer. 
and and I think it's important for us to realize like that that is part of parenting is discipling and and we wouldn't point them to something different. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let me just circle back. There's, there's one little story I wanted to share in regard to like a parent through their humility and repentance modeling the gospel. I, I remember I listened to a series by a pastor, author, C.J. Mahaney from the Sovereign Grace Movement. And um, he talked about um, – somebody asked him in a Q&A, like, what, what do you do with a rebellious kid? And he said, let me tell you what I do. And he said something to the effect of the first question he asked when there was a child that, you know, he, he saw some gross sin and rebellion in, uh, even though his, at, at the time of the seminar, his kids were, had turned out really well um, in, in Christ. But anyway, so he, he basically started with the question, have you seen anything in me, any hypocrisy, any... Uh, any way that I have not borne witness that Christ is all-satisfying and is beautiful and, and that my hope and trust is in him and his grace, have I undone what I teach with my behavior toward you that has caused you to reject you know, the, the message or turn from God in this way? And uh, I just thought that was so great. And, and I've done that with my kids. You know, if, if I have a kid who's, who's just done something so shocking, you know, I'll always say, hey, uh, let's start with me. You know, could I have loved you better? Is there any way that I failed you? You know, and and um, and, and don't just be like, well, of course the answer is going to be no. Like, th- there are flaws in our parenting, and things do come up that you have to repent of, and you have to keep your repentance updated because your kid might not realize until five years from now how something you said five years ago affected them. So, it's a very humbling process, but I think it's important to keep that out there. Okay, just for the sake of time. So teach them they're not God. Teach them the gospel. And finally, number three, and I don't think this has to be a long point, but shepherd the heart, not the external. I think a lot of times when you are not parenting in a gospel-centered way, we create an environment where you have rules and order and you get compliance, but you don't get their heart or God doesn't get their heart. So they'll obey you because they, they don't want to risk the fear of crossing mom and dad and dealing with the consequences of that. But often you'll see that when some of those kids leave a home like that, I mean, they'll run to sin and run to rebellion and sometimes run to um, deception and false falsehood and, 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 and reject even the faith itself. And it's so crushing when that happens. And uh, if you're a parent where you know, you're experiencing that, I urge you to uh, trust God's sovereignty, uh, even in your story that, you know, for whatever reason, you, you know, you, you, can only, you can only do what you know, right? You only know what you know. Um, and in God's sovereignty, maybe you didn't know until now what gospel-centered parenting means. So trust God's sovereignty in that, that he's going to use that as part of their story and repent. Repent to your kids mm-hmm. if, if, uh, if you misled them in that way without any condemnation. Um, but my... my my, my hope and my encouragement to parents who are still raising kids in their home is to really shepherd their heart. So get to what's going on in their heart that their hearts would own the gospel. Um, because if you don't, I think the picture that I've appreciated in this area is if you hold a Nerf football, you ever held a Nerf football, Caleb, and you squeeze it, you, you can you – can, reshape the Nerf football 
into whatever shape that you want it to be in your hand for as long as you're holding it. Yeah. But the minute you let it go, it resumes its organic shape. Whatever it actually is, when it's out of your hand, it, it'll resume that shape. And that's kind of what happens with a lot of kids who grow up in homes that are not gospel-centered. They, they can get de-churched and uh, they resume their organic shape because the gospel never went down into deep places in their heart. So uh, I think there was a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart. I think it's Ted Tripp, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, good book where he really gets into some of this. I encourage you to read that. Um, but just making sure that you're not just, you can get order, but you, you, know, you can get order and yet the kid is folding his arms and he's, and he's sour and rebellious and he's obeying outwardly and rebelling inwardly. Yeah. So we've had moments where, I mean, I, I think it shocks people to hear some of what we've experienced at our family. In our family, you know, we, we've had, we call them shootouts at the OK Corral. We have a kid who we know is not owning it with their heart. They're not, they're not willing to obey. They're not willing to respond. And we have like, especially with young kids, we've shut down the day. Yeah. There's been times where we've spent three hours tarrying with a child until... A, they obey, and B, they obey with their heart. And we get to that thing in their heart that is rebelling uh, and is is resisting and is sinful until they own that as well. Like, no, the reason I, I resisted so strong is because I'm worshiping myself or I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be right. I want to be first. I, I, I'm not giving, uh, I'm not surrendering to the, to the Lordship of Christ. I don't trust God. You know, and getting to that through conversations and patience is a big part, I think, of gospel-centered parenting. Yeah, uh, and I think with the Nerf football analogy, it's it's so true because like you can get that that outward compliance, and then and you think <laughs> you think you've won, and you know, just the reality is, if 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 it's all about externals to you, kids because they're sinners are going to find a way to do the things that they want to do. And as I mentioned last week, you know, when there's a scripture, um, Paul shares that the when the law came, sin revived. Um, when, you, when you're all about just structures and, and rules, but you lack the gospel, um, kids won't know what to do with what they're struggling with, and so they'll give you the outward but they'll also find ways around you. Well, and I want to circle back to something I said. Like, my son, in that conversation when he was bullying his sister, realized that he had failed and he had sinned, and yet he didn't know how to get out of it. Yeah. So he was, I guess what I want to point out was, he was in Romans 7, the good I want to do, I can't do, evil's right there with me. Yeah. And I think the parent has to take the child to Romans 8. Yeah. Uh, who shall rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there's no condemnation yeah. in Christ. Yeah, because the law would leave him in Romans 7. Right. And he wouldn't know what to do with it, and he would continue to struggle with it. Or, you know, he might find a way to externally show that. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, maybe maybe away from watchful eyes, right? still engage in that sin. Um, because the law would come in and stir up those affections. Right. You know, so... Don't think just because you've got outward perfect children that they believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I think that's why the most important thing for us as parents is to preach the gospel to our kids. I would, like I said last week, I would rather have Olive know how to deal with sin, know how how to deal with these things through the gospel, than have perfect compliance. Let me let me uh, give an example. Kind of, we'll, we'll wrap it up here, mm-hmm. but um, I'll give an example of like all three points that I shared in one story with uh, something that happened with one of my daughters. I have four daughters. Two, two sons. Um, we talked about teaching your kids they're not God, right? And, and having rules and, and standards. So we actually teach our kids to express yourself in some way in worship. Right? We command you to do that. That's, that's a rule, right? And the reason is because God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I know that I've never and they'll never be able to do that perfectly any given day of their life, but that is the commandment. Okay, so I'll say, uh, when we're in church, uh, mommy and daddy expect you not to be sitting there with your arms crossed. Make some effort to worship God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some external expression, whether it's lifting your hands or singing, don't care. But we want you to do that. There's days when our kids struggle. There's days that I struggle with that, yeah. right? Uh, well, one particular day, um, our, we noticed one of our daughters was struggling in worship. And... Um, I suddenly noticed that a, a it, she hadn't been actually, but then she began to struggle uh, during the worship service, and I noticed that a group of her peers had come into the room and sat near her, mm-hmm. and uh, realized that her worship was restricted because of her friends and uh, what they might think about seeing an expression of worship. So, okay, we gave the command. She seemed to be failing in the command now. How do we preach the gospel to our daughter and get her heart and not just compliance? So we didn't say anything in the moment. And afterwards, I pulled my wife Heidi aside and I said, did you see what I saw? Uh, I saw her friends come in and I saw that she uh, was deeply affected by that in a way that it affected her expression of worship to God. She said, I did see it. I said, let's talk to her. So we sat our daughter down. I said, sweetheart, here's what I saw. I saw that you were worshiping. Uh, you were and it seemed genuine. Um, and then your friends came, and I said, uh, and, and you know, you, you stopped really expressing yourself and your love to God. And I could see she was nervous. <laughs> how did mom and dad see that, right? And then she had, she had tears in her eyes. Mm. And, I, and I said, can I ask you a question? I said, did you make an idol in that moment out of your friend's opinion? Did what they thought of you in that moment suddenly become more important than what God thought about you? She began to weep. Hmm. She said, yeah, it is. And I, it's something I've been struggling with. And we said, sweetheart, there's forgiveness. It, uh, it's normal. Yeah. It's a normal temptation. Um, so don't feel any condemnation. But let's turn to Jesus and ask him to help you to overcome this, that you see the beauty of his love in a way that would make everything else look small. And it was such a great moment to shepherd her heart and not just say, we told you to worship God, <laughs> right? We had the commandment in place so that when she failed there, we could appeal to the gospel yeah. uh, as the thing that shepherded her heart through that, not just the commandment. So we didn't, even though we had the commandment, we didn't use the commandment to teach her out of that trap yeah. and that bondage. Um, nor did we say, just cowboy up, girl. And do better next time. We pointed to Christ. And so 
uh, that's an example of how this thing can play out. And I, you know, and I know we've gone on a lot today, but obviously this is a, an important topic and there's a lot to talk about around this. Um, anything else, Caleb, before we close? No. Good. All right. Well, th- thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy these podcasts uh, or any particular podcast, tell a friend about it. You know, if you're on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts, there's a little uh, option, you know, at the bottom of the app with, you know, you push those three dots and one of them is copy link. Text it to a friend and say, hey, this encouraged me. Let somebody know about it um, so that we can uh, encourage others as well. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you love us and how you've uh, taught us uh, who you are and how to follow you and, and help us to love others and our children in the same way to, to uh, help them and play our part of being a means of grace to help them to see the beauty of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Bless every parent that's listening right now and grandparent that's listening. I pray no condemnation. Help them to get through the weight of condemnation for feeling like maybe they failed and help them to trust your sovereignty and Lord to put the gospel into practice now in their conversations and their prayers um, with their children and grandchildren in a way that would bear great fruit in the days to come. Bless them we pray Father. Thank you for this time. In Jesus name. Amen. Crucified and now risen.